This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Uh, welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmorris. A nail-biting episode, I would say. Only because all the games now leading up to the end are, uh, are just going to be more nail-biting. And the way Liverpool play, it's never anything but nail-biting. I'm da- I've gone through my shellac and everything on the last game. Uh, joining me... Are you wearing any shellac, Kiva? No, I'm not. Bit it all off. You've bit it all off, have you seen me? It's O'Neill. How are you, my lovely? I'm very good, thanks. Good to see you. And also, Paul Gorsty's here. Hello. Hello. Let's talk about all things Liverpool Football Club, and particularly all things what the hell are they trying to do to us. Um, Sunday's game against Tottenham, always going to be a big game. We know that. The Tottenham and the Spurs, of the remaining fixtures you look at and go, they're the ones we really need to nail. Of course, Newcastle away. Southampton away then and and Wolves they're all tough games now but of those games that are the, that we've got left you looked at them and you thought yeah this is going to really take something um when the lineup was announced again I've been going on about it all season this triumvirate is it triumvirate triumvirate yeah thank you very much uh of uh, it's a great isn't it <laughs> it's a brilliant word isn't it uh, the triumvirate of um of Ginny Wijnaldum, uh, Milner and Henderson sort of come, come... Oh, hello there, sorry. It happens every single time I do it. Shows you it's live, though, when we do it. Um, uh, he picks those three again, and straight away I'm thinking, oh, man, what's he going to this for? Because I just don't feel that works in certain games. Paul, we'll go to you first on it. First half seems to tick, tick, tick away quite nicely, but... Tell you what. Yeah. Um, a busy man. I'm a busy man. That's that's, a, man. Just, that's a, just asking how I am. Uh, this 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 three in the middle. It's 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 very frustrating, Paul. And it came to the fore again on Sunday. Yeah, um, a lot of people call it the the Brexit midfield, which I absolutely oh, hate. I, hate I haven't that heard phrase. that. I'm glad I haven't. Oh, it's all over Twitter. Um, I can see why people have a bit of an issue with it. Um, personally, I was felt that Fabinho deserved the place the way he's been playing the last three or four months. I think, I've said a couple of times now on these podcasts, for me the midfield is Wijnaldum, Fabinho and then it's, you know, a third, whoever that might yeah, be, depending yeah. on who the opposition is, whether it's Jordan Henderson, Strengths or Abby Cater, Sheridan Chikiri. But I was surprised, but I wasn't, I wasn't too surprised because it's Klopp's go-to midfield for the big games, isn't it? And the work they do off the ball enables the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson to get up the pitch and basically become fourth and fifth attackers and you see the benefits of that just from the first goal for that lovely cross from Robertson and he's now 9-8 to eight in the assist rankings with Alexander-Arnold and they've got a little bit of a competition going on haven't mm. they and, um, so I can see why Klopp favours them three personally as I say I would, I would like to see Firmino win there on a more consistent basis he wasn't anywhere particularly miles away with Brazil he was in Portugal and then he was in the Czech Republic and he only played three minutes of the two games so I was surprised not to see him but as I say, it is Klopp's big game midfield and Liverpool have got the results, haven't they? So I suppose you could say it's it's worked, but Fabinho did play well when he came on, I thought. He did, you know, but Kiva, the thing is, what, what Paul's saying is absolutely right. Playing them three in the middle allowed the two uh, sort of wing-backs to go forward. But it, it, there's, there's a pace issue there, isn't it? I think. I mean, in the first half, it wasn't too bad, but then Tottenham started slowly trying to take over the game. And, and we've noticed this before, going 1-0 up against Leicester, against West Ham. Uh, it, it just feels like we're going back to the old days of we need more than one goal to get through this game. You look at James Milner, for example, and we're always talking about him, a fine wine, how, he, how he's aged so well, and he has. But that midfield, I don't. I feel like that was sort of the telling game, where it hasn't aged as well. 
you know, last season it got, its, got us to the Champions League final. As Paul says, it's Klopp's go-to. It's his midfield when he's thinking, right, I need a win here, I need something. But they weren't, as, they weren't harassing as much and they weren't pressing as strong as they have done. I feel like Milner and Henderson just dropped off a little bit and didn't have quite as much energy as they have had, yeah. maybe even last season and in recent weeks. They, they both do a great job, but... I feel like Fabinho was a big miss, but it was an important thing that he missed out because then when he come on, he showed and proved what he's been doing for weeks now. And I feel like Paul says he'll be, you know, first on the team sheets along with Ginny for the, <coughs> the the midfield trio going forward. Um, the game was massive, wasn't it? Really unbelievable. I was I was off to London, so I had to leave with about, but only with about five minutes to go. And 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 um, you missed the winner. Uh, I missed the winner, yeah, yeah. I missed the winner. I watched it again on top. When I got to the hotel, I watched it on the match of the day too. But I, I missed the winner. Obviously, I heard it. I was listening to Five Live. I was listening to Merseyside. It was actually, um, and I heard it going. It was just like punching the ceiling of the car. It really was bonkers because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's happened a couple of a couple of occasions this season. So much so now that people are talking about the fates. Uh, you know, the the planets are aligning and stuff, which you know we can't go down that road. Um, but I think what it proves more than anything else is that we're attacking to the last minute, we're attacking to the last second, we're not giving up. There is a definite self-belief, Paul, in this Liverpool side that, that we haven't had for a long time. No, no. There's always been, a, if anything, we've been the kind of team where 1-0 up leading into, or 1-1 leading into the last five minutes, it's been, let's hold on to this draw, or let's hold on. Now that this feels like there's this, we're going to keep pushing, we're going to keep pushing. Yeah, it's, it's the reserve of character, isn't it? And, and that's, as you say, it's something these Liverpool teams haven't always had. Um, sometimes they've been a bit of a soft touch and, you know, gone down too easily when they've had a bit of opposition. But if you look at the games over the last few weeks, went one nil down at Burnley, fought back well, didn't didn't panic in that one. Um, Bayern, Munich, uh, yeah, yeah. Bayern Munich's equaliser yeah. again, didn't panic. Uh, Fulham equalised and and then again Tottenham equalised. And each time Liverpool fought back and shown that they've got something left in the tank, and that's great to see because it hasn't always been there. And Liverpool have sometimes needed to win three or four nil to make sure that the game's wrapped up and done. But now. Um, it's just something about this Liverpool team that it's a bit similar to the way Benitez's team was actually in 08 or 09 where there were so many late goals yeah. from them. I remember Ben Ayoun getting one against ben, Fulham. Ben Ayoun against right, Fulham, yeah. Kite, um, Gerrard against yeah, Middlesbrough yeah, early yeah, on, yeah. Kite was against Wigan. Just just a little bit more than a talented team, just something with a bit of character about them as well. And um, when, when you have those two qualities, it's you know how far can you go? I mean, it, there's also that thing about when <clears throat> I don't know whether it is coincidental, but it feels like to me that there the is very much part of the makeup of that team when there was three in the centre. You are kind of starved of things going through the middle, so you are starved. The front three are starved, and again, uh, Mane wasn't it wasn't Mane's best game. He's he's been amazing for us. It just shows you the value of of Mo Salah, doesn't it? Because that that last minute pop across the goal there with the other. It's you know people have been saying recently he should be taken off and maybe shouldn't give him the rest. You can't you can't play a game without him just because of his potential threat. That would have done him the world of good as well. Just knowing yeah. that his you know in the way everyone celebrated yeah. as though it was his goal, the little dancer and all that. Just it, it'll give him like you've seen pictures of him in training this week. Everyone just looks happy and yeah. it's sort of really maybe he hasn't got the fiftieth goal yet, but maybe that'll come in a more important game in the coming weeks and it'll be a bigger moment almost. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, but I love a snide goal like that. Because no, like, he'd had a couple of chances to be fair during the game, and he's been smashing them over the roof of the bar. And, and, and uh, he... I think he just needs to maybe this will relax him now because he seems to have a lot of tension. And sometimes yeah. when he should play in Mane or yeah. he'll shoot because he thinks I need to get this yeah. goal. 
he doesn't. He's got like he's trying to prove he's himself. Got Seventeen, isn't he? hasn't he in the league? He doesn't doesn't need. You know, he, of course, he needs more. He's a forward, but you know, he just needs to. This goal, I think, will give him what he needs going forward, and I feel like he's just gonna. Especially with Aguero's not playing tonight, is he for Cardiff? And I know Salah deep down, he'll want want to retain the golden boot, mm. won't he? So that'll give him maybe a little thing going. Well, I've got like I know they've got a game in hand, but you'd, you'd expect Aguero to play Cardiff and score five, wouldn't mm. you? Really? Well, that's a good point. That we might as well go on to that now. We can always nip back, but we can go on to that because if he ever needed a reason to dislike Neil Warnock even more than I already do. Um, it's him coming out and saying he's he's thinking of playing the under twenty threes. <laughs> I mean that could be a snide attack, but I, I, listen, he wouldn't do us a favour in a million years. But and you can, and equally, people listening to this or, or hearing about this second nature will will, will 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 kick off on me and say, yeah, what's it got to do with you? And you're right, it's his team, it's his club. He can do whatever he wants. But uh, if he's going to feel the weak inside against Man City, then I, I just I just think it's a dis- disgusting thing to do. Not on our point of view, but on his own fans' point of view. He's fighting to try and he's saying he's doing it because I mean his last quote was it doesn't matter anyway because the officials hate us or something stupid like that. <laughs> but if ever there was a time, I mean, I mean Guardiola put it that way must be rubbing his hands thinking, well, if ever we needed to rest Aguero for the game, <clears throat> it's against yeah. Cardiff and not a Cardiff that are going to be fighting because they are now they're, they're, they're four or five adrift now, mm-hmm. aren't they? If ever there was a Cardiff that needed to do that, then then uh, I mean, he rubbing his hands, thinking if he's going to play a weekend set, he may he may be joking on us all though. Yeah, that, I think he was he was sulking a bit, wasn't he? And he said, "I'm going to play a weekend team to see what the journalists think of it." And quite why he had an issue with them and not the match of well, he had an issue with them as well, didn't he? But he had an issue with everyone. He, 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 but he since actually said that he's he's not going to do that. He's going yeah. to play his, his proper team. Good. And we've done a, a story on it today, then. actually. Uh, the probable lineup tonight is three changes for Cardiff, and it's, it is a full-strength team. Joe Rolls is back in there. Um, so he's not going to play the 16-year-old left-back and the 17-year-old uh, centre-mid. Um, I mean, the playing. The thing is with Cardiff, I mean, it was. There's not a football fan in the country that didn't look at that game against Chelsea and go, what is going on there? No, because referee and the, the officials and, and the decisions they're making in modern-day football is absolutely disgraceful. Where, but you've, got two line, you've got two linesmen's officials there. You've got two of them... Uh, two linesmen uh, either side of the thing, and, and and they can't see two players offside. Like yeah, that. it was it was Eddie Smart, wasn't it? The fourth official who was the Eddie not so smart. Uh, well, um, he was the official last year at, at uh, the Tottenham game at Anfield when there was loads of controversy over the penalty. The fist punch. Oh, was that when he he pumped his fist and yes, getting it them, was. Getting yeah, them. yeah. Um, so maybe maybe. He's, I don't know. It he's was a, it, it was a poor poor day for him, wasn't it, on, on Sunday and. Cardiff way up, but it's, you know, if you're relying on Cardiff to, to do you a favour, I don't think no. Liverpool no. fans can get too um, caught up on that one. I fully expect Manchester City to win comfortably this evening, and um, Liverpool have got to go to Southampton then and do the business again on Friday. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, I mean, we've said this before as well. We we can't be looking at other people to do us favours. We've got to get our heads down and work on our and concentrate on our results. I mean, if we do that, then the other things might fall in line. But mm-hmm. if we're too busy looking at what's going on there and take our eye off the ball of our own games, of which there are tough games coming up, um, then then that's more likely to lose us any kind of momentum, isn't it? I haven't even been watching Manchester City much because I just know they're going to win. I'll just sort of check at half time. They're always like winning, so you just sort of, you know, like Klopp and his players. They all have one eye because the one point ahead of us. When all if we win every game, they're still going to win the league. So, yeah. you know, we will have we have to have an eye on them. Of course, they're our rivals, but at the same time, they are doing their own thing, and we've got to do ours. They're, all, they're more than likely going to win tonight. I think Cardiff are like forty-five to one to <laughs> win, which is done a piece there on the most ridiculous 
bets, which is quite funny. What chance of winning the national? Yeah, yeah no, this is some bizarre one. On red rum. <clears throat> and then we've got a, I think Southampton and Chelsea. They're our most difficult games now. Every game's going to be difficult, but them too. If we can get them out the way with six points, and then City will go into that Tottenham United, and that'll be a thing where it's you know hopefully. All we need is one of them teams to get a draw. That's it. It's a draw. It's a draw, isn't it? And I think I think because results going the way they did last night, United got beat two one last night, uh, which puts them outside the top four, which means that they're fighting. I mean, there's all these kind of different equations, isn't it? That are floating around. They get at any second drop in our favour or drop against us. I mean, the most important thing we have to uh, everyone listen to this as well. And I think we all have to do with Liverpool fans is, and we've said this before, and, I, and I'll keep saying it. Is just being immensely proud of the fact that we are in this mix after being so far off, off arguably one of the greatest football sides that, 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 that certainly the Premiership are going to produce, uh, bought and paid for, by the way, but still an incredible team. Uh, and to be kicking at their heels here and overlapping them and overtaking them all the way to the, hopefully what is going to be all the way to the wide, is just an amazing achievement. We were talking about Mo Salah and we were talking about the, the front three and, 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 and the job they've done this season but I have to say there's a moment in that match on Sunday that has to be for me has to rank as one of the greatest pieces of defending I have ever seen Virgil van Dijk on a two against one situation with Son and it was a Sissoko and I'm watching it I've watched it again and again and again because he knows he's on his own he knows there's no one there there's no cover apart from the keeper and he keeps this Equidistant. He keeps this distance between him, Sissoko, and Son, which means that Sissoko isn't confident enough to knock the ball round him in front to Son or knock it behind him to Son because if that ball goes to Son, I think they're winning the game. Yeah. I think Son's he's lethal in front of goal. Finisher. He's a great finisher. He's one on one with Allison. You, you you're gonna put your house on him scoring that goal. And when you watch Van Dyke's awareness of both players and how he keeps and he's slowly drifting Sissoko over to the left, over to his left hand side. In the end, Sissoko realises that he can't put that ball, he panics and he smashes it over the bar. And you, and you look at situations like that and you go, that is why you pay £75 million for the striker. And that is why, if if things go our way this season, I will look back on that as much as I will look back at the goals and say that that would have been one of the turning points. Yeah, undoubtedly. If he, if he goes, if he, if he's able to pass that ball to Son and Son scores, then Liverpool's tight lopes are over, aren't they? That's that's right. It's literally that quick, isn't yeah. it? Um, it's superb. He, he was on his own, so he, he split them. He's got right right between the pair of them, so the, the pass is cut off, or it's more difficult. And then he's allowed Soko to, Soko to go onto his left. And he's, I think he's only scored one goal over Tottenham since he signed three years ago. Um, and he's on his weaker foot. And as soon as he blazes it over, you know, what a superb piece of defending. And I said that at the time that that was massive and so it proved to be. And as you say, yeah, it's, you know, it's so easy for people to focus on the attackers and, and what they do. And um, it, it's easy when they're scoring great goals to, to catch the eye. But stuff like that is why Van Dyke's the favourite to be player of the year this season. Well, they say that, but of course, everyone's. Uh, and seems seems to be a lot of footballers are coming out and saying, "Oh, give it to Sterling," because and and attackers they seem to seem to be favoured over defenders for player of the year, don't they, uh, Kiva? But I mean that just that one instance alone is just it was just an outstanding piece of football. It's like you know when you see defenders and goalkeepers when they make a good save or a block and they'll cheer. You, I think you saw. It. Watching the game at the weekend, I can't think who it was, and they made a big cheer. Like I've just, you know, yeah. saved us there at the death, and um, 
just watching that, like I've watched the back about a hundred times in the video that emerged this week of the Tottenham and the fans and they were sort of like, he's like, and then one of them just sort of reluctantly shouts, shoot, yeah. thinking don't shoot, give it to Son, yeah, yeah, like, pass yeah. it to Son, and then obviously blazes it over, but you watch that again, Van Dyke shuffles just twice and back, and so he goes there, He knows back. exactly what he he's doing. He just gives him enough space to think, I could go, or should I pass, and he just puts him in this world yeah. of, what should I do? And that seed of doubt that Van Dyke just sows on that little fine line of running is enough to just save our season. It's and incredible. He we'll gave him enough rope to that. hang himself, didn't he? Yeah, we'll respect. look back yeah. on that if, if we win the Premier League. We'll look back I on think that so. and think, wow, because everyone in the stadium, everyone around the world watching Liverpool Football Club at that very moment was thinking, Denver Bar, like this is it, it's it's done. Like it's all over. You know, we had a good go at it, didn't we? And we've enjoyed it, but yeah. that was it. And for him not to like obviously for Van Dyke to do what he did there was just there's no superlative to cut the summer no. up. It was just it was less awesome. less Denver bar and more over the bar, wasn't it? But <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean I mean it's it, even Gary Neville. Even Gary Neville commentating said every young kid playing football needs to watch that for as a defender he must have been licking his lips at that because uh, cause, uh, you know it was just and like you say it's easy to underplay what he did but he he knew who was behind him and he knew that that, that ball going past him was a goal and, and it, yeah. was just extra, it, was, it was just extraordinary he said that himself didn't he after the game he said he had to make a split decision and he knew that Son was more likely to score so he's cut off the avenue he's allowed to Soko to go on and, and he's, he's blazed it well over the bar and Soko I mean, he, he did really well to play that little one-two and then get up the pitch as quick as he as he did. But he, he reminds me of like a three-wheel shopping trolley. He's just he's quick and he can move, but he's he's so erratic and he's that wheel that's going that way all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, given the choice, you'd, you'd much sooner have him going through one-on-one than, than Son, wouldn't you? Because he's he's one of the best forwards in the, in the Premier League for me. So just absolute textbook piece of defending, and um, hopefully we'll be talking about it in a couple of months' time as. The moment to one of the pull the league, I don't, I don't know. I was expecting more from some of the bigger players. I mean, Harry Kane obviously did the old, um, you know, bought the free kick as most strikers would do that, and and sends an absolute pale it over, doesn't he, for, for their equalising goal? But I've, I thought, um, uh, I thought uh, Ericsson was quiet. He was, yeah. Um, he's he's a top player. He's, he's another one of my favourites, but he was quiet. Um, whether that was down to a lot of Liverpool's Harry in the midfield. Gets a little bit overlooked sometimes when when there is that much maligned midfield uh, triumvirate. And, um, maybe that. Was All right, we, you know it. <laughs> I don't. I can't spell it. <laughs> uh, maybe that was part of it. He, he was quiet. Uh, I thought Van Dyke did a did a job on Kane. Kept kept him quiet, didn't he, for most of it? And there was there was that kind of snapshot that he had in the first half, which Van Dyke blocked straight away. Um, but Liverpool are a, a top side defensively, aren't they? They've got the best record in the Premier League, so maybe it stands to reason that. Tottenham's best attackers were kept quiet. Well, what was that? I'm not sure whether the stats I heard were before or after kickoff, but it was 18 conceded. Is it now 19 yeah, after? Yeah. after yeah. I mean, 19 goals, and that's one well, one defeat in 33. Mm, 32. Yeah. 32. I mean, that's just an extraordinary. Defeated at Anfield. It's just, just been for two years now. Coming up to two years. Coming up to two years. It is amazing, isn't it? But the turnaround has been amazing. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Do you still think that the that, because obviously you know he went to buy those players, didn't he? I mean, he went to try and get Nabil Fakir. It didn't work out, 
So he was actually Klopp was actually looking for that playmaker. He's obviously done it in Cater and that realism. Do you see Cater making any appearances at all towards the end of the season, uh, other than forced appearances? Because he just hasn't he, he hasn't impressed him clearly, has he, Kiva? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I don't think we've seen enough from him. And the moments we've spoke about it before, there's been moments where he could have been the hero. He's been put through. I think was it against maybe West Ham, Leicester. I think West Leicester, Ham at yeah, the end. He should have had a penalty, shouldn't he? I think he put Origi. Was it his pass for Origi? He was offside. Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. He's yeah. had them moments where we could have been looking back, going, "Oh, hasn't he been great?" But he just he hasn't had the luck when it comes down to it. I feel like he's a good footballer, and you know he's someone great to have in our squad. Going forward, maybe this was sort of his bedding in season. Yeah. And next year, we this time next year we could be looking at him as the as though we do Fabinho. You know, yeah. So. I'd like to think so because he see, he cuts us, he cuts a, a lonely figure sitting on the bench on his own uh, on Sunday every now and again. You see him just sitting with his hood up, and you wonder whether a lot of it is down to personality as well, and and the fact that he's such a young kid doesn't speak the language really uh, I know the Klopp had made a point and I have said this in previous podcasts where he did sort of have a little dig at him when he first came saying he doesn't really know much because he hasn't learned much English and maybe that's a part of the thing he has to do and, and, and really try and integrate himself into a team which is easier for some players than others uh, he might just be struggling that little bit and then he's bringing that onto the pitch because like you say it's t- you can clearly see he's a fifty-four million pound player. We've put that's what we pay for him. You can clearly see the touches of excellence. He just needs to build that on his all-round game. Yeah, there's, there's, I think Liverpool fans have been waiting for that moment, haven't they? We, we, well, we waited the season to get him, and I yeah. don't think that did him any favours. No, did it? oh no, and then taking number eight it was always a, a, a big, uh, a big kind of gesture, wasn't it? Um, Statement, yeah. Yeah, he's he's shown flashes of it now and again, and, and he he played well against Bournemouth, and, and there was that pass, wasn't it, for for Salah's goal. Um, which many hope was the, the moment that he arrived, but it's um, it's one step forward and, and two back for him, isn't it? And when you're asking about him, will he make appearances between now and the end of the season? I think he'll he'll play a part here and there. He could even start against Huddersfield, but I don't think he'll be integral to what Liverpool do, whether whether that's win the league or you know Champions League or whatever it is they end up finishing on this season. Um, but I see him. I see him making a See him being part of the team next season and, and you know kicking on and, and becoming a more important part of, of Liverpool's midfield. Because we're talking about you know there are there are there are other big name strikers and big name players that, that are being linked to Liverpool, but but I, I don't think Liverpool are, are going to be in that much of a hurry to dip into hundred million pound players, are they? So let's face it, we've got the player, and I think Klopp's much more of a develop develop the player he's got. He knew what he liked when he saw him. He knows he, he knows he has the abilities. I think. He's going to be much more inclined to try and develop that player and move that player on than say than a lot of other clubs that would go or the big clubs in, 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 in pay packet wise that say he hasn't worked out let's let's lose thirty mil on him and buy another one. That's not the Liverpool philosophy, is it? The Liverpool philosophy is we've got we've paid a lot of money for this player. We know his potential. We scouted him for a long time, and let's integrate him into the team. Well, he was a was it Leipzig? Yeah, Leipzig, yeah. He, he met Mane. I think Mane he joined in the July Mane left in the September so he would have had a bit of pre-season with him that was that was at Salzburg yeah, yeah. before he moved to Leipzig yeah yeah so there at Salzburg and I remember like there was a video that I think the club done and he was saying like Mane's like you know it's sort of been his like he's his been his best yeah. mate there yeah. hasn't he and he's yeah. been like looking up to him and he's been saying you know over the seasons you know he'd phone him and stuff and say I scored for Southampton or whatever make sure you score this weekend or like in your game and stuff so I feel like he's got a good friend there yeah, he and has, someone yeah. that'll bring him through so maybe you know his language his skills will develop 
and then you know he'll follow suit again Mane he's got to look at him and think look at the impact he's had on, and he'll want to have that impact he's wearing the number eight shirt he's you know highly rated midfielder I think we just need to have patience with him and sort of not be reluctant to sort of sign him off till next year but also kind of do that and be like look we'll go forward with him next season type of thing because he might feature like Paul said a little bit here and there but we're not going to see massive things from and, I th- and I think now it's less likely he's going to be taking chances with him isn't he that's the thing yeah, whether that business yeah, end yeah. of the league where he's, he's less likely to go I'm going to chuck Naby in now because there is, there is a confidence issue I think with his ability to track back uh, and, and his ability to get stuck in, isn't it? And I think I think that's something he has to. He needs more time to develop with him, doesn't he? Yeah, with with Klopp's midfield, it's very much geared towards getting the absolute most out the front three, isn't it? So they, they get it, they chase and they harry and they, and they press, and when they get it, they keep it simple and they move it forward. Whether that's to the fullbacks or into the feet of the strikers. And Kate is a different animal. He likes to to carry it ten or fifteen yards himself with a little step over here and there. And I think just acclimatising to what Klopp wants in his midfield and it is, I think it is an issue of trust as well can he trust them in, in big games big games away from home I think at the moment you'd say no so that's why he isn't featuring anywhere near as much as some would have liked over the thoughts back in August well, clearly as a manager as well you know like we've seen him go with that midfield three there's never been a right time sort of to play Keita has there almost and now it's not because we need to win the league yeah exactly so it's that's always it. been the, se- the whole season it feels like it's been you know that he was slowly sort of putting them in but there's never really been a good time for him for Klopp to mm. sort of take that risk so hopefully next season he'll get yeah, and and I think the form of 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 Trent and of Robertson have, as we said earlier in the podcast, has sort of changed Klopp's thinking on that midfield three as well because 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 they're getting forward, they're bombing forward and whipping in lovely crosses. I think it's changed his strategy in a way, hasn't it? And I think it's, he's thought, well, okay, I don't really need to take that chance at this stage. I'm going to keep it solid in the middle and I'm going to let them bomb forward on the on the wings. Yeah, I think. I've literally only just thought of this now, but if you look at Coutinho's influence in the first half of last season, he left in January just as Andy Robertson was breaking into the team. So maybe what Robertson has, has given Liverpool down the left and, and what Trent has given Liverpool down the right is compensating for that lack of a playmaker. Um, Klopp said before as well that no playmaker in the world is better than a pressing system when, when they win a high up the pitch, which is a fair point as well. So maybe Liverpool have moved on from needing a, a number 10, if you like, a, a, a creator. I mean, there is a little bit of a creativity issue um, with some of his midfield choices. Maybe next season, once Keita gets a little bit more developed, he could be an answer to that. But uh, is another one. Um, some people have been questioning why he hasn't started. and Maybe it is down to, to the full-backs, as you say. And also, as well, I think... See different lineups are gonna are gonna are gonna force him to make different different strategic yeah, yeah. changes himself. So teams that like to play it narrow, he's gonna try and you know uh, like the Fulhams of the world, he's gonna sign whip crosses in, isn't he? Yeah, Wofford. And Wofford, yeah. So so uh, when it when it comes more to a more open game, he's less likely to do that. I think we still need. I think a game always needs a creative midfielder because I think, in my opinion anyway, when he plays those three in the middle, although the two bomb forwards, it just it stifles the creativity and I think it, it makes life harder for the front three because they're having to try and find it in different ways they're yeah. not they're not getting someone picking up from midfield and slotting it to them I think Fabinho's got to be a shoe in though hasn't he now we, for the, for the, for the yeah. rest of the season has he not just laid down the gun and now and said look you know boss 
this has got to be the way forward. Yeah, uh, I don't know what more he has to do really to, to looking on it from the outside. Every every game he plays, he's having a, a huge impact. And um, you look at when he come on in, in Munich, he, he come on in the first fifteen minutes, then he went Henderson went off, and he was excellent. Um, for a real, you know. Tackling machine wins it. He just strong. seems to know, doesn't he? He seems to have that, that sixth sense of where the ball's going to be and yeah, puts his leg in yeah. the way. And he's not afraid to to knock it forward either, is he? You know, he'll play balls over the top for like of Salah and Mane to run onto. And I've been really impressed with him since round about maybe Christmas time, a few weeks before. Um, so I was surprised to not see him play on on Sunday. But I think uh, six games left. Plus the Champions League, I think he has to play in, in majority of them. Man. There was a stat that I'm trying to find at the moment, I can't really find. There was a stat about his touches, his influential touches during the game, uh, alongside Henderson's and Milner's. And no, it's not unfair to do that because he, he only just come on, but he, he made like it was something like seven touches in 13 minutes when the others had done seven in 77 or something mm. like that. It was so he, clearly he comes on, he's an impactful player, doesn't he? Um, uh, he knows where the ball's going to be, and, he, and, and I, I think him. It's not much of a change, but I think it'll be. I think because he can because he can deliver a ball as well. I just think it's taken one of those three out, isn't it, and replaced him with Fabinho? Surely that must be the stability we need. Yeah, I mean, you look at him; he's just he's got that kind of level-headed and like confidence that Van Dijk's got and possesses in the defence and what we see from Allison and our other defenders. And then he's got like just this real calmness about him, and it's lovely to watch when he come on. It was like, oh, we we've got a midfielder who can just tackle yeah. loads and like of course the others do you need that, that cool well. head don't you he was just so cool and like you know as Paul said it was Christmas time when we started to see him sort of Klopp it took Klopp ages to sort of have like put the trust in him a little bit didn't it and you sort of see that now Klopp still sort of he will play that three and just be like oh I'll just go to that and I don't think it's like a weakness like Klopp's like me going oh I'll just, I'll just play anyone <laughs> who's going to do it better but I feel like you know Fabino is just he, he's like he reminds me of Fernandino as a yeah, Fernandino yeah, yeah he, he, and he's so young I think he's like 25 26 something like that and I feel like he's just going to dominate that midfield he could dominate that for the next well what six, six seasons or more yeah he's going to come into like, his own you feel like he's going to get he, stronger and stronger yeah and he? he's, he's going to be sort of like the almost like you know Keita got the number 8 but I feel like Fabinho will be the sort of Gerard player that we we've wanted for ages. You know what I mean? That sort of like, mm-hmm. and he'll take that coolly, and then maybe that'll help cater. I think you know it will. I, mean? I think that's you know? a great point. I think I think when I think when players find a niche, they help other players come along as well. And, I, and when I look at when I look at cater, because obviously you know we've all seen we've all seen what he could do, um, and I just think he's such he seems like such a confidence player. Yeah. That, that he just needs to have a little bit of a run I think Klopp did try to play him earlier in the season in games we thought we could manage much easier um, and I think he's just got to the point now where he's thinking well look I, do, I really do not and you can understand the pressure that's on every single game now uh, for these last six games and the, the, the Champions League he just wants to get it right doesn't he or he doesn't want to blow it that's the thing and if, if he puts out what he thinks is his best lineup and it doesn't work out then at least he can't have people saying to him well you knackered that up by by doing something really stupid so he, he, he can see what he's doing I mean we've got three games coming up now Southampton Porto and Chelsea Southampton away Mourinho's been on of course hasn't he saying yeah. there's a big disadvantage that Liverpool have got over uh, the Porto have got a big advantage over Liverpool in the sense that Liverpool are going to be looking at the league 
and are going to have too much to cope with with Porto. I mean, we we, we put them to the sword last season. Five goals, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, do you see any problems? I'll go to you first, Paul. Do you see any problems with 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 the Porto game other than the fact that you know we've we've got a lot on our plate at the moment? I don't think it'll be the five 0 it was in in Portugal, but. Honestly, no, not really. I think <clears throat> Musa Morega is, is their star man up front. I think he might have missed the first leg. I can't quite recall now, but I, I don't think Liverpool will have too much of a problem over the two legs. Um, they'll comfortably get through to the to the semi-finals, and and then then you you really are thinking you could do a league and a league and Champions League double here. And if you start thinking about what an incredible homecoming that'd be in, in open top bus in uh, in June. But no, I, I don't don't see too much of, a, of an issue against Porto across the two legs. You sort of think of that game as like almost a rest, not for the players, <laughs> yeah, but good, yeah. for the fans. Like Chance because we're, we're just yeah. so, you know, looking at the league and like on Sunday, like you said, got no nails left. Like it was so stressful those last few minutes of the game, especially after we scored. And you were thinking, oh, Tottenham are going to do what they done when it went two two, and they're just going to burst our bubble completely. Here. So you know. I feel like the Porto game will just be like you know the European Cups are bread and butter. Mm. We want to. Well, it's a slower pen tempo as well. It's a good point for the cater appearance. Yeah. Not that I'd put any money on it at the moment, but I think that it's because of that slower pace. It's more likely that that that, that would figure in. Yeah, definitely. That could you know we've been speaking about him. That could be his big chance. And then if he does something remarkable or has a big say, then I doubt he plays the Chelsea game. But you know, the, the last few games of the season might be looking at him as. A, as Champions League midfielder, if yeah, I think he even makes a good point about the the fans. I think you know, so many fans. Well, every fan is desperate for the first league title in twenty nine years, aren't they? And it it's, it seeps through into the players sometimes that anxiety and a bit of tension and nerves early on. And I think Champions League is completely different because last yeah. season they went all the way to the final and everyone thoroughly enjoyed it. And Ale Ale was was ringing around everywhere, wasn't it? And I think. It's kind of given the fans a little bit of a respite the Champions League this season. I also think as well the the and it's picking up on you, Sakiva. European nights are almost, and I don't want this to sound arrogant, and it's because we haven't, because you know, I don't mean it this way, but I'm, Liverpool Football Club more than any other club I know expects European nights, and and we thrive on European yeah. nights. And I think what it sometimes does, Paul, is it gives the fans the fans go nuts again and lifts that it lifts the team for a couple of games after it as well. Yeah. Whereas a lot of other teams you do Champions League and seem to suffer. Whereas Liverpool, because those nights are so special, they get lifted. So it, it could be the little boost we need, a little shot in the arm we need. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um I think I mean there'll be a great atmosphere at Anfield on is it Tuesday or Wednesday next week? Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, it's Tuesday. Um be a great great atmosphere because it's the last sixteen in the Champions League and um or last eight rather than you know, Anfield nights especially as you say in the European Cup and I think that could follow itself on through to the Chelsea game on Sunday. Again it's uh, it's not gonna be an early kick off so fans won't be going to bed early under the instruction of Jürgen Klopp. They no. they'd have allowed themselves a bit of time to get around the pubs around field for the, the Chelsea game and if it's a good result against Porto then that'll just feed on and feed on and um Liverpool need that don't they? You know, we've seen what an impact that it can have throughout the years and, and this season alone with the with the Bournemouth game at home. So yeah, I think I think it's a good point if to get a good result against Porto then then that'll follow on. And then of course the uh, the easy fixture against Chelsea. Uh, never an easy fixture obviously I'm being Facetious there, but I mean, I tell you what, Jordan. The, the one good thing to come out of the Cardiff result, 
for me was that there was a, there was a chance there that, that Sadi could have been sacked after that game. Yeah. And the last thing, or a lot of Liverpool fans I've been speaking to over the last few months have been saying it'll be just our luck that they sack Sadi, get this new manager in, whoever it'll be, and the team go flying in front of him, which which historically teams do, don't they? And it's, Chelsea historically do. Historically, well. really do. Change your manager, yeah. Well, it, yeah, of it, course it, he did. It, love it. It would have been Zola, wouldn't it? Because he, he's yeah. the assistant, and he would have stepped in as club legend in a bit of a similar way to Solskjaer and. That would have had an instant impact, no doubt, no doubt about it. And I'm just waiting for that typical trademark Eden Hazard performance. Yeah. Um, he but with Sadi still there, he, I mean, he's not going to bench him. He benched him against Cardiff, and yeah. you can kind of go, you know, people are saying he's benched Hazard, and you go, well, it was Cardiff. So I, I, if you're going to yeah. try and rest a player and Kante as well, if you're going to try and hold them off a little bit, you're going to do it there, aren't you? Let's be honest with you. So he's done the right thing in that respect. He brought them on and, he, and, and, and he's ended up, you know, they've, they've got the results. But it's those little factors, it's those little things floating around, isn't it? And, yeah. and it could be that the, the Mr. Smart we were talking about before <laughs> could have done us a massive favour. Well, I spoke to John Aldridge on, on Monday and he was saying in his column, he, he's, it's such fine margins this season, such as Mane's goal that wasn't at City um, yeah. the own goal against Spurs you know I'm going to get a t-shirt if we don't win a league I'm going to get a t-shirt printed with 11mm on it because yeah. <laughs> that's what it was 10 or 11mm Merseyside derby just these yeah. little things and he was saying he just hopes these small margins aren't defined by a, a referee mistake because after that Cardiff game he was just completely in shock as to how bad it was and it's a good point you'd, you'd hate it wouldn't you if Liverpool lost the league because of a Absolute howler from a referee. Yeah, yeah. He'd rather us lose it on our own, yeah. sort of, you know. It's not to be, you can't even rule that out, can you? Because they've, they've been so dodgy. I mean, VAR coming next year, how you, what are your thoughts on that? When you see when you see decisions that are coming that are coming thick and fast in, in the leagues and in Europe as well, um, VAR a welcome thing for you, Paul? I'm on and an iron because if you look at Liverpool's goal against Fulham earlier this season, that wouldn't have been scored if VAR was in place because Mitrovic scores a header. And it's ruled out for offside. Liverpool take it up the other end within 14 seconds and the one they're up. If VAR is in place, that goal isn't scored. So it takes away the the drama and the, and the, the beauty of a counter attack. But it would have it would have made the right decision. Um, Mitrovic was offside, but and it would have given the offside. But there's no advantage there. Is exactly. There? It's it's just it's a tricky one, isn't it? It is a tricky one because because for all the pros, there's going to be cons. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I mean, you can look back historically over Liverpool's. Uh, successes in cup games and that, and you can probably go well you know that couldn't happen that shouldn't have happened that shouldn't have happened with every team so I quite like the fact that there's debate in football and I'm a bit worried the VAR is going to take that yeah. debate out and, and, and that's part of football isn't it the arguments after I think the day. main thing as well is being in the stadium and you know having these long moments like it can be like three or four minutes to make a decision yeah. it's such a long time even if you play a, I think Iago Aspas was at the weekend playing for Celta Vigo and they had a decision because they've got four now haven't they I think or something mm. like that and it, it was like three minutes and he's just like you know doing keep ups with this ball like that they needed to win really bad and you know he's just there with all the pressure on him and it's just building and building and for moments like that it's going to be awful and for the fans to not have a clue what's going on see my problem with it is VAR is one of these systems that comes from America and it comes from and, and, and it does really well in American football and it does really well in rugby and it does that because they're stop-start games. They, yeah, in America, yeah. they, you know, in the NFL, they, they stop and they bring a, a, an offensive team off and a defensive team on. I mean, I mean it's, you, you know, it's something to watch while you're eating your hot dog, isn't it, in America? <laughs> yeah. Whereas here, it's, it's not. I mean, you know, I, I, and the Premiership is a fast-paced 
relentless, you know, uh, uh, game of game of sport, and and I just think that. Whereas I, I understand in some circumstances, and I understand some people saying, no, 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 you know, we need to have it. We need to have this fundamental answer to to the situation. I think the stopping of the patient of it's going to be huge. Yeah, you say something that they're going to do for the FA Cup, I heard. Yeah, it, it, it's in it's in place for the FA Cup, and I think. I well, think that's what, another one. Though. It's in place for some games in the he FA said Cup. Well, yeah, and it's, it's seems, it seems it seems in the tough light today, but for this technology, but I think. We look at the. I mean, for offsides, it should come in for offsides because it's it's a yes or a no, isn't it? Simple, like, like goal line technology. It's either in or it isn't. Um, so it should come in for that. Yeah. But subjective decisions, such as like in the FA Cup, um, uh, Lindelof was sent off for for Man U against Wolves. They went to VAR and it got reduced to a yellow. Um, I thought it was a red anyway. I yeah, I mean, that's not a clear and obvious error from no. the official. Uh, that's just uh, you know one official might say it's a yellow, one might think it's a red. Such as the actual referee on the day within you know two minutes of reviewing it. So I think bringing in for offsides and goal line technology is brilliant. I love that. But for the well, penalties as well is going to be a big one, isn't exactly, it? Because it's, it's all subjective. Because part of part of a striker's rightly or wrongly part of a striker's makeup now is knowing when to go over, isn't it? Knowing yeah. when they when knowing when they feel that touch to go over, and it's going to be interesting to see what VAR does with that because they're going to have to. Learn pretty quick, but don't get me wrong. I don't want any diving. I mean, diving's diving's should be ruled out of the game, but I think it can be ruled out of the game in different ways. I think if you if you simulate, I think you can get a straight red for simulation. Another big thing is the rolling ball. So Harry Kane, there was a bit of debate there, wasn't yeah. there? Well, they've said that VAR doesn't cover that. So if the referee's awarded a free kick or whatever, they won't look back at that. So that would have been, you know, if the ball was rolling or not, and that like ends our season. Oh, it was. <laughs> you know, so yeah. they're not going to look back at moments like that. So it's like it's picking up on different. You know, it needs to be. It's like all or nothing. Yeah. You know, so. it's going to be that time, isn't it? I think when it's going to take a few seasons for it to even bend yeah, properly. Yeah. We're going to yeah. have that weird kind of. I hope no it's man's not like land. the World Cup mm. where it was just like penalties oh. every day. It was just like, the World Cup. It was just every single decision was going to, to VAR, and I, I made the point on on Sunday because Sky had three games. If VAR's in place next season with with three games in one day. It's going to end up finishing at like eight o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then, of course, what you're going to have then, you're going to have knee-jerk reaction referees, aren't you? You're going to have different referees who want to stamp their authority on 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 VAR uh, and their personality as well. Because some, yeah. you know, some referees love it. The old Clattenburgs of the world love being on the back page, and <laughs> he loved it. And he was Britain's got talent for him on every yeah, weekend, yeah. every every weekend. And so you're going to have referees who are going to use it more than others. You're going to have referees who are going to make a point of of going to it because it. It'll, I think it's given them the problem with that is I think it's given the ego of the referee more. Yeah, that's a good you point. Know, yeah, because I've never be, thought about that. But as well, yeah. they'd be thinking, well, uh, you know. Well, it's more onus on them being the big, the big, yeah. the big hitters in the, in the. You know, it's their story, yeah. their decisions could be so much more monumental now. Yeah. That you're almost handing. You know what I mean? It's you, you, you know, you, you, it's a bit of a Pandora's box, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think they, they have a, they have a, they have a hard job, don't they? The speed of the game now, getting these offside calls spot on every time, and the one on Sunday was was abysmal. Um, how has Bilogwet has been allowed to score that? I'll never know, but maybe it should be brought in for that. And all the other, was it a foul? Was it not? Leave that to the refs. Yeah, yeah. You've got. I just feel like it, 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 it's a historical thing in f- football. There, you have to have the conversations after the game. I thought it was. I thought it wasn't. I thought, the ghost goal, isn't it? We've been talking about that forever. Like you know, goal line technology. We'll would always have say it was in Chelsea fans. Will always would have say proved it that it went over the line. Is what you mean? It was well, over. <laughs> it was well, over. the net, but yeah, it definitely did. It is a kid in the back on the, on the head, isn't it? The back in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, listen, thank you very much, guys, uh, guys and gals. Uh, next three games, obviously massive. They're all massive, but we got Southampton away, uh, Porto at home, and Chelsea at home. Is Porto away or not at home? Isn't Porto it? Porto home, yeah. And then Chelsea at home as well. Uh, just keep believing, keep believing in the Reds. We are one game nearer to to uh, to to what would be the most incredible. Um, Premier League title there's no doubt about it better than Leicester's you have to say I mean I know Leicester was an amazing one but for the opposition that we're going against I know I'll get slaughtered for saying that but, <laughs> yeah, but that's why I said it but we're going to end up with over 90 points like when's that ever going to happen again probably yeah I mean it's all, yeah, it could be I mean it could be the worst scenario it could be we lose the league by getting beat once extraordinary loads of twists and turns to come keep listening uh, to all the podcasts on Blood Red as well and also uh, Ali Rouge and uh, me on Poetry in Motion thanks to Kiva Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate you joining us again. Enjoy the Snickers. Will do. Paul Ghost, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Equally, enjoy your Snickers. No, will do, yeah. And I'm going to enjoy mine. Uh, I will see you all again, or you can listen to all again on the, on the next uh, Poetry in Motion. Uh, until then, keep the faith. Up the Reds. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.